You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson. I'm sitting down today with Bruce Adams and GP. Okay, I'm ready. All right, GP, give me some leather. I know. I've already done my leather this morning. Red leather, (laughs) You've already done your leather? Red leather, yellow leather. (laughs) I love it when you give me some leather, GP. Gets me all all worked up into a frenzy. How's your head today? Much better. Yeah? It's this weather. It's this constant weather changing and uh, all the ash and... Everything in the atmosphere got me pretty good yesterday. So actually, I wanted to talk. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad to hear it. I I wanted to talk to you about that today. There's some stuff coming out talking about L.A. County, and I know that you're part of the Mm -hmm. the county there. So I am L.A. County. The the, says here that the residents are worried about the long term exposure to all the smoke that's in the air, like all the um, uh, particulate and everything that's in there. Because, uh, I mean, I'm hearing from people in San Francisco that when they're going out to their areas that like their their homes or their um you know some people have boats and things like that you know because of big boating uh climate down there they go out to it or they go out to their car wipe their fingers across whatever and that's it's just it's covered in like the ash and everything mm-hmm. and people are worried about the um the thick and hazy air and they're and they're kind of worried about the the possible long-term effects of this what what can people do in order to um kind of protect themselves against stuff like this is there anything they can do uh I hate to say it, wear masks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was saying that. The, no, no, no. I was no. You're laughing about that. I was saying that the other day. I was saying that the other day. I said this is kind of a, a situation. Where it's it's kind of unique because this is a situation where you would almost want to wear a mask, right? Even mm-hmm. uh, okay, we're talking like cloth masks. I mean, in this case, I would use like the the respirator, N95. With like the, the the filters on it. But can you get in ninety mm-hmm. fives? That's the thing. Because I know they're in high demand and all that stuff. They're still in high demand. I can get them, but I don't. I don't know if common people can or the common non-medical <laughs> common people. Uh, yeah, common people. Yeah, yeah. We we see how yeah, that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Mr. <laughs> Elitist. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. I and I meant non-medical. My gosh, come on, people. Okay, um, can, can I not have a Biden moment? Can I not just take a Biden moment you, out? Okay, fair enough. That you get a pass. You get a pass. Uh, I had a Biden moment the other day when I couldn't talk straight. I'll do a Trump a moment here in a second, seconds. so because it'll be huge, <laughs> bigly, big, um, big, bigly. P one hundreds, I believe, is another option. By the way, P one hundred masks. Yeah. Where are you going to get those for for smoke? Um, good question. I don't know. That's what the CDC was saying, though. Okay. N95 and P100. Well, the reason the cause of all the Snokes to Nan- to quote Nancy Pelosi is is Mother Earth is angry. She is. She is. She now, hired a bunch pe- of arsonists. <laughs> some of these people yeah. are saying that they can barely <laughs> see to the end of their block. How is it that bad right where you're at? Is is it that bad? Not where I, I'm on a mountain. I'm on a I'm on a mountain. I'm up in the hills. So for me, or mountain, you guys would probably call it large hill. But it's a. Um, I, I'm at 16. I got about, I'm at 1600 feet. So I don't really have the same issues as a lot of people that are downtown. You hear this, Bruce? He lives up in the hills. He says, <laughs> talking about, he lives up, right? He lives up he's higher. And he's talking about the yeah. common people. You hear this? You hear this? Uh, right? I, this do. I do. Now, you go back a, f- a couple of hundred years and, and I mean, my, all right. How many of you guys are out helping me pick up trash? I told you, graffiti. I told you the other day I would be there. I told you the other day I would be there. I would yeah, be out there side by side picking up trash with you. And then we'd be deciding where we're going to have lunch. You know who I haven't seen out there yet? I want to see some politicians out there. When we're out there, all out there cleaning up, I want to see some politicians out there, even if they're just by face. Okay, so the EPA officials said that they're working hard to keep people informed about the risks of poor air, which, you know, I've read stuff going back to like the 50s and the 60s. Or no, I don't I don't necessarily think it was even the 50s, but the 60s and the 70s, the air quality in L.A. I remember seeing photos from back then Mm -hmm. about the air quality. Yeah, the, well, I mean, yeah, we're not talking about wildfires back then. We were talking about just air pollution from vehicles mm-hmm. and, and yeah. things like that. Vehicles, the smog. We used to have smog. The smog, level so ter- yeah. so bad looking. I mean, it was just like this thick mm-hmm. haze that would just hang over the city. And you know, I brown remember, haze. Yeah, I, and I remember seeing that in uh, the island of Manhattan. You know, in New York, you go past the island of Manhattan in New York, 
and you could just see like this big black like cloud that would just hang over the city. And it's like, I mean, th- this has been some years ago now. And Bruce, is that your uh, is that your delivery? Is that, did I see an Amazon ribbon on there? You did. Yeah, that's my. Uh... That's the biggest capture card I've ever seen. That I was gonna say <laughs> yeah, that is the, the largest capture card I've ever seen. Yeah. The the capture card is. Um... Let's see how much not, they wasted. Not that big. Let's see how much they wasted. <laughs> yeah, I was say, to you know, I got some of this stuff that I got. Do you, do you like know, honestly, the reason why they're doing it, the reason they're doing so the small, you guys know that why they're doing these big packages. It's hard to put it under your jacket when you're going. It, it's a theft, pre, pre, theft prevention. Okay, I see what you're saying. All right. And it's anyway. also, um, it's also about organization. Organization, yes. Stacking. Mm-hmm. Organized stacking. It's also stacking. Okay. Yes. So keeping with the air quality here, EPA officials say they're working hard to keep people informed about the risk of poor air. We do need to learn to live with smoke, the EPA Air Resource Advisor, Katie Stewart, said. And it's unfortunate, but we need to be smoke ready every year. So are they going to have forest fires every year? every year? Well, we have I arsonists mean, it's, it's, every year. Oh, my gosh. That is, yeah. That wildfires is every, We have wildfires in California. We have so much wildfires here in California. Uh-huh. And oftentimes, most of the times, it's somebody starting it. Or a company starting it. Look at last year. I mean, the, you know, our campfires and things of that nature that happened because of a power company. You know, it's, it's people. If you want to say people are climate change, you want to go in with that? Yes, I will 100% agree is people are causing this on the sense that they're the ones that are burning down these forests. They're the ones burning down fields or burning down buildings or burning down your house or your business, your livelihoods. People are doing it. I don't, I don't recall any of these buildings being struck by lightning and all of a sudden going up in flames. Do you? No, no, I don't. But I did hear your governor the other day when he was out giving one of his speeches in front of the cameras. And of course, everything was burned out behind him, you know, so conveniently. Uh-huh. You could tell it was a it was a photo. Yeah. Op. And he said that they had the state had like 11,000 lightning strikes the other day or something. And uh-huh. They were saying that or he was saying that that was partially that was partially to blame for what was going on. But yet I haven't seen any of these uh, politicians that have been out there with their uh, speeches and their their hairdos and all kinds of stuff. I haven't seen any of them talk about any of the arrests that have been happening by the people they've caught starting these fires in certain mm-hmm. places. That I got three. I, put, I just posted three names today. So. Did you? Did you? Yeah. So can you, can you give the, us a rundown on the, the rap sheets that they that they had that they that they arrested him for? Can you give us a rundown? I wish it? I could. I wish I could do that for you. <laughs> not the names. Do you don't have but, to give the names? No, no, no. I, I don't want them famous. Yeah. You, you know, how no, 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 not the names. But, the, Just, but there's three. But anybody can look it up. Go ahead and get online. These guys are one is affiliated. Definitely. Absolutely. With his video logs with Antifa. The other two are. If you see their shots, they, they, they're at the level of, they look insane. I mean, they're not, they, they look like, okay, I don't know if you know old photos of Charles Manson, that crazy look. They got the crazy look. And then a gender reveal party. Is that lightning? We all know about the gender reveal party. Everybody knows about the gender reveal party. But that's not lightning either. And that burned down a whole bunch. But the Oregon, they got some guys in Oregon. They caught some guys in Oregon. They caught some guys in California. Um, so it's not that they're not really... You know that they're trying. It's just they're starting so many fires. These people. It's disturbing. One person up to five fires. Five of the fires. One. Come on. And the question is, is why are they doing it? Well, I mean, are, are they legitimately involved with these movements? That remember, are... the, remember the promise of we're going to make it burn. Oh yeah, we're going to burn it all down, man. Yeah, we're going to burn it all down. Yeah. Speaking of that, some of the uh, we can roll this right into like protesters and, and things like that, because this goes all the way up into places where like Portland, they caught some of them set fires up there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, there's a progressive news outlet up there that is complaining that Andy. No, you guys remember Andy? No, Bruce, you and yes. I talk about Andy. No, quite a bit. The, the guy that's out there, he's been tracking Antifa for a while. And he's also the guy that was beaten up in the streets, had the brain bleed from the Antifa rally in Portland a few years ago. Do you remember that, GP? It's terrible when you. Yes, I think it's terrible when you go to a rally. Doesn't matter what side you're on. If you're attacked by those people, I've watched Biden supporters go through the Trump rallies. I've seen it. Seen it firsthand. In fact, it was just happened a few miles from me. Um, well, by few, I mean 20. But still. And uh, there was. The gay conservative movement was there. The um, everybody was there. We had rainbow Biden hats that were, thinking, but it was a Trump. It was a it was a uh, Republican Trump uh, pride party of some sort. Uh-huh. And uh, and there was hundreds of people, hundreds and hundreds of people there, hundreds of people there. 
not a single fight. And you know what? And our crew, we didn't have to clean up after him. That was awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Andy, no, as I said, he's been doing a lot of these uh, these coverages of these Antifa rallies and events and protests and, and all that stuff. And there's a progressive news outlet that's not happy with the work that he's doing, because if you go to his particular Twitter feed, we'll give him a little plug. If you go to his Twitter feed, he's got all of the Antifa activity that he documents up on his Twitter feed, including their mugshots, their arrest, uh, uh, arrest mm-hmm. char- or, yeah, charges they were arrested on and, and everything and all the videos that he captures and, and all of it. And the guy does good work. I mean, that's a real investigative journalist, this guy. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, there's an outlet out there that's, that's a little upset that he does this. They don't like the exposure. The Portland paper, the Williamette Week, provided a platform for Portland rioters charged with crimes who were upset that Andy No posted public records profiling their alleged criminal activity. Those records are public. They're public mm-hmm. anyway. Anyone can go and look those yeah. up. He's simply bringing attention to the fact that, hey, these are the people that are causing the mayhem and the destruction in your communities. This is who you, this is who these people are. And you need to be made aware of this. You know, there was a newspaper that was put out years ago, and I don't think they do it anymore. I'm not sure it was. It was put out in in central Ohio. We used to do it. We used to buy it once a week. It was called Busted. And it was the mugshots of everybody that they had booked in on on felony charges that week into uh, into the county. And I don't know if you have like similar papers out there where you're at or if you have similar papers down where you're at, Bruce. But I mean, these are these are public uh, cases anyway. Anybody can go and look these things up. But instead, instead, you've got people out there. You've got people that are investigative journalists that are out there putting them all in one place for people to go and see. And so to be fair, I don't think there's anything wrong with this. They can they can cry and they can complain and they can crow and do everything else that it is that that they're going to do. But I don't think what this guy's doing, there's anything wrong with it. What are your thoughts, uh, Bruce? Well, as you said, it's um, it's public record. So on <laughs> putting it out there, uh, do it, you know, uh, yeah. I, I don't uh, if you don't want your if you don't want your mugshot out there and you don't want any of that information out there, then don't do the crime. Simple as that. So, nah, it, yeah. Uh, and, you know, says that uh, I believe my duty as a journalist includes informing the public about individuals who are believed by criminal authorities to be sufficiently dangerous to the public that they meet the standard for arrest. Uh, I, th- I think he's absolutely right here. He says, given the risk that violence and riots present to the public, including journalists, it is imperative that the press report fully on these matters. The mainstream media should be ashamed of themselves for not covering any of this stuff. Instead, they're giving cover. All right. They're giving cover to the events in the streets themselves, but they're not actually doing any coverage of the people that are being arrested. Those are the ones that need to be covered. That is the real crime there. And you say, okay, well, what crime could they possibly be guilty of? Uh, how about sedition? How about that? Is that possible? Can, can we not Can we not declare insurrection in all this? Those of us that have been out there, we've been clamoring about an insurrection act, use the insurrection act for what, since the, uh, the, the first week of these things? Because they've been out there ripping through the community. They've been out there destroying property. They've been out there looting. If that is not insurrection, what is? What is? If you're not out there, and, and by the way, they have political demands as well. How on earth is is that violence coupled with political demands? How, how is that not an insurrection? I, I don't understand. How, how can you not declare the Insurrection Act against that? Their stated goal is the overthrow of the system. That's insurrection. As far as the Insurrection Act is concerned, part of the concern with that is bringing in the, the federal government. And I, I, I get, I, I want the federal government to step in, but at the same time, it's on the states, like... <laughs> You have to start with the cities and then the states. And if they're unwilling to do it, then, yeah, you have to go to the Fed. But there, there's a, a great risk of power, you know, power grabs. And honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned with I would like to see Trump do it. But with the election right on right on the cusp of happening, what happens if he starts this and then Biden gets in and says, uh, yeah, no, we're going to we're going to cancel all this and we're going to clear everybody. And then he pardons them all or what, what have you. Um, it's just going to okay more riots. It's going to it's going to it's going to trigger more unrest. So A.G. Barr is pushing for the sedition charges against the rioters themselves. He advised federal prosecutors in a conference call last week to consider charging the rioters and insurrectionists who committed violent crimes at demonstrations this year with sedition. Bruce, you and I were discussing this just kind of off to the side before we started here. Do you think this do you believe do you believe this is just talk? Because here's the issue that I see with this. We see this all across the board with not just 
not just the attorney general's office, but justice as a whole. And by that, I mean, you have the FBI coming out this week saying, oh, we're going to look into where the funding comes from for BLM and Antifa. Uh, fellas, it's not that difficult. It's it's really not that difficult. R- really, what do you need? What do you need? Like, we, we the people probably have most of the documents that you've already seen. So what what else do you need? What you mean? You mean the the money's traced back to Act Blue, <laughs> right? And the Tides Foundation? Yeah. No, of course not. No, and and George Soros and all his affiliates? Of course not. But. The thing is, is is this just all talk? I mean, because when I hear that justice and the FBI are going to look into funding for these movements and, and look into where where they're getting all of their financing and things like that and how they're moving them around the country, we hear that. We get the nice talk, but that's all we get is the nice talk. But it never ends up going anywhere. And I'm, I'm wondering, is you believe this is the same then from Barr? Uh, I, I kind of feel like it's a little bit of rhetoric. I, I, I really don't know. Barr is a Bush guy. Uh, you know, he's he's part of the Bush conglomerate, if you will, of GOP types. And what do we see from the, the Bush types? A bunch of talk or war, one of the two. So that's where I'm kind of a little skeptical on this one, because it does fit, fit the war MO, right, from the Bush side. But it also is, um, it, it almost seems like talk and just rhetoric. So he's right, technically, legally. Um, but well, do I believe there's going to be any action on this? No, I don't. I don't think Barr's going to do anything on it. And I, I hope I hope I'm wrong. But uh, yeah. So where do we go from there then? I mean, what, what do we do if we have a power structure that won't do anything? I mean, we have to have an option somehow as as a populace in order to restore law and order. I mean, if we want investigations done, then the people that we entrust to carry out those investigations, if they don't do it, then what's the purpose of voting? <sighs> That's a that's a that's a tough question because um, but that's what people are asking. I mean, because we're looking at all this stuff, we're we're looking at all this stuff, and we're thinking, okay, it's it's not that difficult to do this. We we can sit down and we can figure this stuff out. And here, here's the here's the interesting thing: when somebody asks me a question about something that we talk about here, for example, when somebody asks me a question and they say, well. Uh, if it's indeed what you guys talk about, if it is that way, then why aren't these people arrested? And that's the question I can't answer. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. If that's the case, then that's a clear cut way to have somebody in handcuffs and prosecuted for what they've done. It's that simple. But it's just getting people to do it. But we've talked about the level of corruption in the U.S. before. I mean, it's bad. It is bad. But how do we... I guess the, the question is, and I'm, I genuinely don't have an answer for this. How do we, the people, how do we get that corruption out? Because it's infected almost everything. And it's not just the federal level, right? George Soros tried to do this a few years ago. He tried to go through and he tried to buy up federal prosecutors. Do you remember that, Bruce? He couldn't get very far with it. He, he didn't get very far with it. So what did he do? He switched up tactics and he started buying out DAs at the local level. And that's what he's been doing ever since. And what are we seeing with these these groups of people at the local level? DAs are coming out saying they will not prosecute. Portland, for example, the DA out there, he says they will not prosecute for anything having to do with a riot, anything having to do with assaulting police, menacing police, uh, resisting arrest, fleeing and eluding. They won't prosecute any of this stuff. Los Angeles, San Francisco, these these places, I'm pointing them out. In, these these in particular, I'm not picking on just those two. There's more like Seattle and uh, and Portland and New York. These DAs that are in these cities will not prosecute for quality of life crimes. But that was happening before all these these riots and things. So it's a matter of having the the DAs in the city bureaucracies that are now compromised in all of this corruption too, as well. Correct? Yeah, because as you said, they're unwilling to prosecute. So even if they're arrested, many of these guys are being released. We've seen it with um, uh, Oregon. We've seen that a lot with the Portland guys. We've seen that with the recent arsonist that they caught in Oregon. Uh, they He had six counts of arson, like 14 counts of um, other... Um, uh, it was like endangering other peoples. And, uh, you know, I, I forget all the counts. But he, uh, he was released. No bail, no nothing. He was just released. And then uh, we've seen other ones that were... Uh, they were, you know convicted of, of arson or, or were guilty of arson, not convicted, but it was caught on video, them trying to start fires and they were arrested. And the only thing they were charged with was um, violating in their probation. Yeah. And we were talking yesterday about how some of these people are being released on, on personal recognizance, personal recognizance yeah. for crying out loud. You're starting a riot. You're out there starting a fire in, in places like Portland and you're being released on a PR bond. 
Are you kidding me? And there's there's not some kind of an agenda there. Well, then you also have um, uh, the organizations. I, I, I hate saying they're one side, but it's one side organizations from the left. For example, uh, the some of the Biden campaign members have been donating to organizations that pay the uh, bail for these um, felons. These, these. Yeah, that's that's an interesting piece. That's protest. an interesting topic. Yeah, that's an interesting topic. Uh, do do you have a backstory on that a little bit? Where all that stuff's coming from? Is it Act Blue that's involved with that? I forget. Okay, so I, I unfortunately I don't have the papers in front of me to narrow that down. There was there was a a group that was specifically. Uh, like a, a fund that was specifically started for that uh, to to bail people out, and it could have been through Act Blue, but nonetheless, it was started. And we've seen some of these um, campaign members, and and not just not just the Biden campaign. Um, there's been other campaigns that have been also donating to it. So yeah, it's it's, it's sketch. And Which celebrities. It, We've seen a lot of celebrities exactly. donating to this, too. Exactly. I, I was going to point that out. In the beginning of this, what did we see? We had the celebrities like Steve Carell. Uh, uh, what's that? Uh that other woman's name, uh, Tegan, uh, T- Chrissy Tegan, or whatever her name was. She was a uh, part of it, and then uh, Seth, uh, Seth wrote Seth Rogan. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's who it is. But some, all these, there was a list of all these celebrities that were giving to get the protesters out of jail, like bail them out. So, I mean, what what does that say? What does that say? That should tell you the side that these people are on. And it's it's pathetic because we don't need to be in a process of choosing sides. And that's what everyone's doing. They're they're pushing the narrative, as we stated yesterday, to get everyone onto a side. They need people to choose sides and then they need those two sides to fight with each other. That's not what needs to happen here. What needs to happen is arrests need to be made. And more than that, prosecutions need to be made. And what do you do with the ones that you arrest? Bruce, you and I saw some video last last week, I want to say it was last week or two weeks ago, of a guy that was threatening his mother, the backstory of it, the guy was threatening his mother with a knife. Mother calls the police because, you know, guys, uh, you know, her son's clearly whacked out on, on drugs. He's out of his mind and he's threatening her with a knife. And so what happens? The police show up. The guy has the knife. We saw the body cam footage. Did we not? We saw yeah. the body cam footage. The, mm-hmm. the guy charges the police officer as the officer saying, put the knife down. Put the knife down, put the knife down. And they're saying, no, 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 no. And you're running at the police officer with a knife. What do you think the officer is going to do? So he shoots the guy. He shoots, shoots the suspect. Suspect was so hopped up on drugs that he gets up and he goes after the his partner, the other officer. And what does he do? He holds that officer hostage, doesn't he? We saw the body cam footage. Yeah. yeah. And so then he gets shot. And that that's the end of the situation. Now, what happens after that? Groups of people show up and they start protesting. You don't even know the backstory. That happened two weeks ago. That's the first thing. OK, that's number one. Number two, you don't even know what the situation was. Same thing with we had that with uh, same thing with the situation down in Atlanta. You remember the Wendy's? Do you remember the situation there where the guy stole the cop's taser? BLM yeah, shows up. The, taser at the other guy uh, at the other yeah. officer. Exactly. BLM shows up. They burn the Wendy's down <laughs> because that makes sense. So they start protesting. They start protesting. This is a place in Pennsylvania uh, that, where this happened with this officer that uh, shot the guy with a knife. People start protesting, turns violent. People start getting arrested. What does a judge do? A judge slaps a $1 million bail on each one of the protesters that were arrested. Well, rioters, excuse me, that were arrested because we don't arrest protesters. So is the $1 million bail enough of a deterrent? Is uh, the, question I'm, the, the question I'm trying to get at here is, what are your guys' thoughts on, do judges across the nation, the good judges, do they start making a stand and putting the higher bail amounts and holding the sentences over their heads in order to try and restore some type of law and order from the justice side because the police are handcuffed by the, uh, by the bureaucracies and not allowed to do their job? So wh- what are your guys' thoughts on that? It's not constitutional. The, the bail has to be, um, what is it, the 14th Amendment that talks about bail? It has to be reasonable. <laughs> reasonable, yes. Yes. But do you expect writing? Here's the thing. The situation that we're coming across here is at what point is reasonable? A million dollars, okay, because you got to remember a bail back in the day, a $100 bail may seem like not a lot for us today, but that was equivalent of like $250,000. You know what I'm saying? So. Right. 
And it it's, was it's enough also, money to, these are to also make not cash people bales. not. Yeah, yeah these are yeah. also not cash bales either. That's different. A cash bale is different. This is uh, traditionally this is how it works. I don't know. I don't, it, I don't think it's the same in every state. But um, GP, you know how this the, the bail bond system works. It is you get arrested, you get charged with something. Judge sets bond. You then go through a bondsman. Bondsman shows up post ten percent. You're out. So. We're talking about a million ten percent. You you do ten percent. Well, you, you put yeah. yeah, you put ten percent to the bondsman, or or some type of collateral that has an equivalent amount. So, for example, mm-hmm. if you get arrested, let's say you're one of these people up there in Pennsylvania, you get arrested. Judge sets a million dollar bail on you. Okay, you then call the bondsman. Bondsman comes down. Hundred grand needs to be put up now. Rather that's cat. That's a guarantee you're going to come back. You don't. You break your bond goes to a million, you pay the bondsman. In this case, $100,000 worth of either cash or collateral in assets would have to be put up. That's that's what it comes down to. Someone would have to, one of these um, <clears throat> peace, mostly peaceful protesters would have to call probably one of their relatives that are ashamed of them uh, or should be in the first place uh, to maybe put up their house or put up a couple of their cars in order to get them out. No, no, the problem that's going on is there's actually organizations that are bailing these people out with millions and millions of dollars. Okay. And that's why it doesn't, that's why it's not a lot of money anymore because there's an organization out there saying, Hey, if any of you guys get protesters or get arrested, we have hundred million dollars to bail you out. So you're saying, so, so, so there is, okay. I, I am on the constitutional side. If there was no organization out there bailing people out, I would be really like, okay, we can't have this. This is not correct. This is unfair. This is really targeting people that do not have the ability to, you know, pay their bond. But in this situation, there's organizations getting these people out of jail. We've already gotten rapists out of jail that was able to, they, they paid his bond. These organizations paid his bond. He got out and killed his accuser, murderer. And this isn't the only search situation. We've had multiple counts where people are being released to go out and cause more damage. These org- There's an organization out there. And so this is actually this bond thing is targeting that organization along with the people because they are demand. These people are are pleading with these companies. Oh, got to bail me out, too. Got to bail me out, too. So a million dollars to these, these this organization isn't a lot. So equivalent, each one of these people getting arrested are multimillionaires. So is a million dollar a lot to a multimillionaire? So you're saying it's the judge's way of looking at the actual facts of these organizations that are putting up all this money and then pushing back on that. That's what you're saying. If you're yes, you're part of this organization. If you're part of this organization, you should also be judged as part of this organization because you're 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 a flight risk now. You got millions of dollars to get you out and get you back on the streets to burn, destroy buildings. How would you feel if you were a judge and you just let this person go and that person went out? Like the judge that let the guy out, the rapist, go out and he killed the accuser. How do you think that feels? Well, I'm sure the other side matters because we had a whole group of people down here in L.A. chanting, hope they die, to two police officers that were shot in the head. Two. One of them has a six-year-old child. She has a six-year-old kid who's, you know what he was doing? He's praying that his mom gets can make it today, that she's going to be okay. And they got we got all these BLM people out there that are chirping, hey, hope they die, hope they die. That's what these people are supporting. When you have BLM on your helmet or on your shirt or whatever it is, you're supporting the murder of parents. You want children to suffer. Yeah, that's 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 what these people support. So when you're supporting them, you might just might as well just sit up there. And go, I want people murdered. I, I support murder. Yeah, that's and you know my heroes are rapists. My heroes are drug addicts. My heroes are you know not the best people of society. You look. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going off. You know, I try to separate the movement from the organization, and I do. And I and I do. I separate. There's a movement that's referring to allowing a part of our society to be fair. To be judged on the same on the same level as everyone else. There's an organization. There's a part of it. That organization, though, that doesn't want that. That wants everybody in sedition, submission, and and hate. And I don't like that. What we need to do is they need to go out there and remove the BLM part and say, you know, let's do let's fight for equality. You know, fight for equality, not fight for one group over another. Because you know. I can tell you there's a whole demographic of people right not very far from me that do not have it as well as this as another particular demographic. So why aren't they getting their parades? Why aren't they getting anything? Because they're not. Why aren't they getting billions of dollars? 
Why aren't they taking a knee? I don't. I don't remember the. Do you remember the Chinese national anthem being played? No. American national anthem now. Do you remember the, uh, you know, the Polynesian national anthem being played? No. The First Nations national anthem being played? No. Native American national anthem being played? No. No. You know, these are the demographics. You know, what about, you know, the Mayan? Does anyone remember the Mayan national anthem being played during this thing? No, we don't. We're only allowed, we're, we're being as racist as hell by supporting one race above all others. It should be equal across the board. Each and every single one of us should stand together, hand in hand, and make this planet a freaking better place. But no, we just want to celebrate one group versus another. We want to separate everybody just by the freaking pigment in your skin. How dare we? It's just pigment. This is part of the plan, though. Yeah, that's that's it's part of the plan. This it's it's divide and conquer. Well, yeah, it's civil society 2.0. This is literally the handbook to civil society 2.0. The the riots we're seeing, all this up, literally they use race as one of the mediums. This is literally out of that handbook. I don't know. Uh, by by the way, I, w- I was skimming over the uh, the 14th Amendment. Um, this isn't the one I was thinking of. However, there's a nice little bit in here. The validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties uh, for services in the suppressing insurrection or rebellion shall not be questioned. But neither the United States nor any state shall assume or pay any debt or obligation incurred in aid of insurrection or rebellion against the United States. Conclusion. Um, so you these were riots, about- the damage you're seeing... You weren't wrong about the 14th Amendment, in a sense. Well, sort of. Yeah, th- this was this was for something else. Um, but the, the riots we're seeing, the the destruction and burning and all that stuff, uh, that's all against the U.S. They're talking about burning the entire U.S. system down. If these cities and these states are unwilling to quell the riots, quell the insurrection, then the federal government should say, OK, you're on your own. Sorry, I'm not. We're not paying for it. The American people are not going to pay for this. Um, in the damage that that was incurred because you were unwilling to stop it. You were unwilling to ask the federal government to send in troops or the National Guard. So uh, because you didn't use all the tools at your disposal, instead, you were restricting law enforcement from using tear gas, rubber bullets, tasers, um, the, the chokehold that um, is not deadly, by the way. I don't I don't know if any you guys know what the chokehold is. Yeah. Where they just put them in a choke and like within a few seconds they're out. They just yeah, not rear naked, rear naked choke. choke yeah. yeah, they they just you know sleepy time. Um, a lot of these districts are are banning that. So if you're if you're banning police, the tools that police use for non lethal force to to not just apprehend uh, you know individual suspects that are problematic, like a guy running at you with a knife or something, right? If you're if you're barring them from using those, uh, I'm sorry. In the middle of an insurrection, a rebellion, the federal government doesn't pay for it. Well, to be honest with you, I don't think that the federal government should pay for any of this because it's the state's responsibility. And more than that, it's the locale's responsibility to ensure the safety of their own communities. It's not the federal government's responsibility for that. It's not Washington, D.C.'s problem to oversee what happens in Los Angeles. That's Los Angeles's responsibility to oversee what happens in Los Angeles. And if you have a useless mayor, if you, which clearly you do, if you have a, a police department at the top brass, I'm not talking about your average LAPD cop. I'm sure they're great people, but they can't do their jobs because they're they're afraid to get fired. The same thing with uh, Chicago, the same thing with Portland, same thing with Seattle, same thing with New York. Right. I've worked with NYPD cops. They are great men and women. Those, those are some of the finest I've ever worked with up at the NYPD. Great people. They want to do their job. They want to keep the community safe. That's what they do. They serve the community every day. But if you have a mayor's office, if you have a chief of police that agrees with the mayor's office and they have their people stand down, like, what, what was going on in the, Do you remember the mural that the, the, the Blasio painted in front of Trump Tower, the BLM mural? Do you guys remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He had the uh, the NYPD erect barricades around it, and he also put special duty officers out there to arrest and escort anyone off the property that defaced it. And what did you have? You had people out there that were arrested because they were defacing the mural that was painted, which was destruction of public property, I might add. People across the street were getting arrested for sidewalk chalk, but you can paint a mural that's that's an entire city block. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Why? Because the mayor does it? The guy that turns his back on the average business owner who's hurting in Chinatown. I saw that video. It was disgusting. Made me want to throw up. A a person that doesn't give a damn about their community. You have no business 
sitting in that seat running anything. You don't have the right to run a lemonade stand as far as I'm concerned, let alone a city. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. It's shameful that these people even make it. And and seriously, at the end of it, who wants to do these jobs? Who really wants to do these jobs? Would you want to be a, ma- a mayor of a major American city? I sure as hell wouldn't. I've met mayors of major American cities, been to events with them and all kinds of fundraising events and charity dinners and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, you used to do all that. They're politicians, right? They're, they're politicians. They have a very busy job. OK, I get it. You're running a major American city. That's like being the, the president of a small country in a lot of respects. So I, I, I'm I'm sympathetic to that. But at the same time, when you have brazen acts of violence and anarchy and chaos and, and you're ignoring it and you're giving cover to it, and you're endorsing it. Hell, de Blasio's own daughter was arrested for throwing bricks at police officers at, in New York at one of the, quote, protests. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. It's pathetic that we've gotten to that point where we elect these these nobodies to represent us in these offices that do nothing, and, and they leave the community out there. They, they leave them high and dry. They leave them high and dry, and it's, it's really sad. And I was going to get into... Um, your favorite mayor, I think, Bruce, uh, Lori Lightfoot out there in Chicago. How, um, mm. you know, she she's allowed to have security. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I, I was trying to summon her. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Oh, <laughs> no, she's allowed to have private security. She has the Chicago PD guarding her house. I would not. Head. I would not harp on her if she did not do those things. If she wants to remove protection to the common citizen, but yet maintain a security force for herself. That's a that's the worst kind of devil. And that's the only reason I'm I'm tormenting her. Your mayor did the same thing. No one's allowed to protest in front of his house. Uh, um, yeah. Well, no, no, no. My mayor Garcetti. Yeah. Garcetti. Yes. Yeah. What do you mean? No one's allowed to protest in front of his house. They were. OK, so do, do you we remember a few packages protest- for him? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, when you you light that the, that bag of uh, dog do, duty on the yeah, no, no. When the he's, in a, he's first- in a bad situation, he's got a violent mob against him, along with you know he's he's he, he's in a bad. I would not want to be him. That's for sure. Because okay, th- no, that's, this, that's interesting. You bring up there. Okay, that's interesting. You bring up there. You say there's a violent mob against him. Let's let's talk about that for a second because I'm I haven't heard anything about this. You would think that there would be a, some something in the it's papers. It's the people that, that are supporting LA him. Time? It's the people that are supporting him. It's the same people. If he go when and if any t- if he was to say you know what we need to do we need to police and get more police into your neighborhoods they would crucify him. His own people will crucify. It's it's a t- man. I just I would not want to be him. It's a tough situation. Pretty, okay. pretty where simple. your own people are extraordinarily violent, where your own people are extraordinarily violent. Well, this just and proves you can't make a, you can't make a deal with the mob. You can't do it. You can't. And the uh, mob is is anarchists. These are mostly anarchists. I mean, I do try and and in my humblest of humbles, you know, during meditations, I, I try and say these are anarchists. These are not BLM. These are not Antifa. These are what we would call in the seventies the punks. These are the extremists. These are thieves. These are rapists. I mean, we looked at, look at the, the Kyle. Kyle shot three, three of these people that are rioting and all three are felons. I mean, what are the odds? Come on. So these people are not the best that civilization has given us. So I don't know. And these people have got our mayors and our governors in deadlock because how would you, how do you deal with a child that's are a thousand children or ten thousand children that will burn your family to the ground in an eye blink, and you don't know who they are. You don't. They serve your food. They wash your cars. They go to schools. How do you know who they are? Do you, Do you know what happened when uh, we seen the the riots in Kenosha? Do you, Do you know what they did? And do you know how how they got them under control? They brought in national guard and federal troops, and they squashed it. They iron fisted it, and they all left. The, the riots were quelled. So mm-hmm. you want you want the you the mayor to do something about that? Okay, here Not it'll be pleasant. it'll be a shootout. It will be a it'll be a well you gotta understand we have a huge drug economy here, a huge illegal economy going on here. And you have a you're basically stepping on the toes of a mafia type situation over here. So let me, this, is let me ask you this. this is Los Angeles. But, this is Compton. I, I understand. So let me ask you this question. If the government allowed those organizations to take root, how do you dethrone them? How do you pull up those roots? I hate to say it, but yes, we, we 
that that's what we're, we're that's what we're reduced down to. You so have we're to Americans killing yourself. Americans. We need no. You know what? How to stop it? You know how to stop it? The media cannot broadcast anything of the of the warring or conflicting nature of feeding the fuel of hate. The news can only do rainbows and butterfly news for sixty days. How about that? Rainbows and butterflies for sixty days. That's it. That's all they can do. Oh, you're you're just a totalitarian. You're no, just see, a Nazi fascist. You can't the do chaos. That. The chaos sells. That's that's what I know. I'm aware of that. But if we can all be freaking shut in our in our houses and and people are unable to provide incomes for their families, the news media could be shut down, too, for a short period of time until we can all calm our happy asses down. Why don't we all for the news every single day going, why don't you get out and pick up some trash? Why don't you go out there and clean up some graffiti? Why don't we go out there and go feed a family that's down the street from your house that's starving because they ha- can't afford to feed their families? No, you know, that's not what we're doing. So you bring up an interesting point there, GP. You're talking about the media. Now, it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon because most people would, would say that that's totalitarian. It's never been done and, and all this stuff. To the ignorant person, they would say that. Okay, well, it's never been done. You can't do that. Well, Lincoln did it. Lincoln seized yes. and cut the telegraph lines back before the start of the Civil War. Why? Because the media was fueling an insurrection. And so he had the telegraph lines seized and they were cut to prevent the media from spreading more division, shall we say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it has been done. It has been done. And it's already, the media's already been taken over by these warmongers. It's already yes. taken over. Yes. So why we don't why don't we why don't we just look at it as a taking back? of our media instead of taking over our media. We're taking it back. It's not a matter of, uh, yeah, and I think maybe, maybe. When's the last time you saw a hopeful thing? When's the last time you saw something hopeful? Well, they're not supposed to push hopeful things. I I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. But everything that they push, the no hope, the despair, the uh, the helplessness and all this stuff, that, that is what is meant to be pushed in the media. They want you so desperate. They want you poor and they want you stupid. That's their agenda. Mm-hmm. They don't have any other agenda other than that. That's what they want. And so honestly, I mean, we we watch the mainstream media because we have to, right? We we go mm-hmm. through, we dig through all their stuff and all that stuff, and we pick it apart and we decode what they're saying to everybody, right? Because right. it's it's difficult for the average person. The average person's busy, right? I'm sympathetic to that. I am. Mm-hmm. But the average person doesn't have the time or anything to, to sit down. And, and dig through all that stuff and decipher what it is that's being said to them. They just take it on the surface and, and look at it at face value. And there's so much more to it than that. But they're busy, right? They're living their lives. They're working. They're trying to figure out how they're going to do it. They're raising their kids. They're, they're trying to have kids, whatever, right? They're doing all these things. So they don't have time to do that. But turning it off would be simple enough if people would just do it, right? We walked away from the media. I, I don't indulge all their stuff. I can see through their stuff. You can see through their stuff. Bruce can see through their stuff. We don't need to watch the mainstream media to figure out what's going on. We can figure it out for ourselves. So and I'm, I'm, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm trying to get to. What I'm saying is, is if we give people or if it, not us, because there's more people doing it than just us. But if those people us and and people like us, if we go through and we do these things, if we give people the tools to be able to figure the stuff out for themselves, then that stands to reason that there's some type of a fighting chance there, right? If people can can rediscover the means of self-governance that we've lost, Mm -hmm. if we can get people back to the point where they can think for themselves, then the media problem will solve itself. You won't have to do anything about that. People will naturally walk away. I mean, if you look at the media numbers now, they're in the toilet. They're in the toilet. The average media show, like their their highest rated show, MSNBC's highest rated show, it's Rachel Maddow, has like what, a, a couple of million viewers? That's it. That's it. 350 million people in a country, they got three three million viewers at best, at best. And if you look at the numbers on an average still night enough, where they put still enough up, to make radicals, it is it is. But you're going to have radicals everywhere you go. Right. They're, they're going to be everywhere. You're never going to stomp that out. The most important thing that people have to understand is, is if we can get people back onto a culture of self-governance and justice and law and order and common sense and, and everything else that goes around, it, if we can get back to our fundamental principles principles of what made us great, then society will naturally shun those people that try to fight against that. If we can get back to a system. Go ahead, Bruce. You look like you're disagreeing with me. No, we won't get there. I agree with your your points and everything, but 
We've got such a deep state going on right now. It doesn't matter what the people think. It doesn't matter what the average person stands up and believes. What I was talking about with Civil Society 2.0, that's literally what started the Arab Spring. That's what started some of this nonsense that was happening over in the Middle East. They're using those same tactics on us on the home front. Those were just tests. Those were just trial runs to come in and start doing this stuff in the West. To, to enact what we were saying with the Agenda 2021 uh, or 2030. So unless we get the corruption out of our system, unless we clean up the government, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who we elect. It doesn't matter what our principles are, because the, the ones that we don't elect, the, the bureaucrats that are in office for years on years and years, and we don't elect those guys, it doesn't matter. They're, they're appointed by uh, people, progressives, uh, your, your left-leaning groups that want to enact civil society. Civil society 2.0 teaches you how to do all the activist stuff, how to create uh, communities and whatnot online, to, uh, and then to leverage those communities to create your uprisings, the support for your causes. I mean, that's what this whole thing was designed around. And it was, you know, as I said, we've seen this happen with the, the Middle East and North Africa. Um, that's literally, we allocated $5 million uh, to, to grant funds for pilot programs in the Middle East and North Africa that will bolster the new media and networking capabilities of civil society organizations and promote online learning in the region. That's what the online learning there is literally teaching you how to be an activist when you look into it. This was done in 2009. So it, we're, this, is, this is literally the, the, the culmination of their uh, 11 years of, of perfecting this. And then they're, they're doing the same thing on the home front. So even if we were to change our principles and get back to the foundation, unless we have politicians that are willing to clean the swamp, to, to dredge it up and clean out everything. I mean, all the, you're, you're talking every branch, everything. You're going to have to go in and you're going to have to vet everybody. And you're going to have to be sure that you're, the politicians that are up there, like the, the bars of the world, right? Those guys have to be on the side of the people. They have to be on the side of uprooting the corruption. And unfortunately, it looks like Trump is fairly alone. We have a, a handful of people in Congress that, that are um, on the side of Trump, but the rest of them are either GOP hacks that have no spine that just want to continue the status quo. And then you have those on the far left that are, you know, crazy nut jobs. The, the AOC types and the squad and, and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Burning, Hardcore progressives. Yeah. 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 Burning the rest of them. But I mean, we're kind of back full circle, aren't we? We're looking to the swamp to fix the problem with the swamp. And it's, it's just... Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, I agree with you. And and here's the other thing. It kind of leads me back to that interview that I think you and I both heard it, uh, albeit different times, but I think we both heard it. And you know what I'm talking about. The um, the interview that was given to uh, G. Edward Griffin by uh, uh, Yuri Bezmenov. And he was a, a Soviet Union guy and he defected, went to Canada, gave the interview back in 83. And he made the, some of the points in there, which I think YouTube's banned that interview, I think. Uh, you might want to double check, see if it's up there. But I heard a while back that they actually banned it. But uh, what he did was he was explaining what was going to happen in America if we didn't put the brakes on it back then. I mean, we're talking we're talking 35 years ago, you know, 35 plus years ago, if we didn't put the brakes on it back then. He said it would lead to this point. And he, he goes through and he he describes all the different stages we're going to go through and, and all the different people that will arise and different movements that will show up. He made the point and to kind of echo and, and continue on with what you were saying there. His take on it basically was the fact that you're going to have one to two generations in there, which that's about how far we're into it now. Right. We're one to almost three generations into this. And he says, you've got one to two generations. You're going to lose. You're going to lose yeah. them. And so this is YouTube it. These is are the still, ones that are in the video is still up, by the way. It, someone is. Else, it, it is. was okay. it was banned and someone else grabbed it and recently uploaded it. Okay. And it's it's All because right. of the new Call of Duty announcement. I got you. OK, yeah, they did put him in there. I thought as soon as I saw that, I thought that's Yuri Bezmenov. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you're going to have one or two generations you're going to lose. And these are the ones that are out there in the streets. Right. That like that's them. That's them. And and more to the point, you have a generation. This this was the other key part to it. He says you're going to have a generation that will be from the generation back in the 60s. Right. The hippie days. He says you're going to have that generation, the older ones that are going to be into the political system now. 
that are going to be steaming up the generation after they skipped over a few. See, they didn't get people like us, right? We we got through that net. We They didn't catch us up in that stuff. But they were able to grab the generation and two after us. So the older generation, the Bernie Sanders type, I, right? I, that that crowd, they gra- like, they're uh, never going to see reality. Go ahead. They did catch our generation, though. We, we just happened to slip through the cracks, if you will, because our generation, a lot of the ones that went into um, uh, colleges, universities, those sort of things, they were taught th- this rhetoric. I mean, that's that's where we're seeing like this nonsense with the what is it? CES sex ed that the, the UN's pushing. The, that's that's where we're seeing that uh, spring up is from those teachers that were indoctrinated in, in, uh, the universities. And it's, it's, it's our generation, you know, it's, it's twenties and uh, early thirties, those types that are, that are pushing the new narrative. So they did hit some of our, our, um, our generation. And we also see the ones that are out there on the street, you know, the, the younger ones there, they, they, they caught them, but there's still a good portion of our generation that is not indoctrinated, right? It wasn't, it wasn't hardcore indoctrination in the elementary school, high school age groups, which is what they're trying to enact now um, and trying to, as BLM says, um, destroy the patriarchal, uh, what is it, the, the um, whatever, the, 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 the Western, Western prescribed nuclear family. Yes. Thank you. Western prescribed nuclear family there. That's literally what they're trying to do in schools now. So I don't know, man, it's it's uh, I, don't, I don't know what to do in all this. How to combat it. Honestly, um, I, I'm not sure either. And I wish I had an answer because I, I look at the two generations that I think that, you know, the younger generations, I, I look at those generations that were lost. And yes, they, they did get some of our generation because I know some people that are our age and I'm like, they are around our age bracket. I know there's a little difference in between you and I, but there, there's people that are within our age bracket and they're just, they don't care, man. Like they don't care. I, like I got friends of mine. I've tried to talk to them. I'm like, do you guys not even care? And they're like, oh, we're, you know, I'm, I'm out golfing. I'm like, dude, dude, there ain't going to be any golf courses. Do you understand? Like, there's not going to be any golf courses. There's not. And that they're worried about like their IRAs and all that stuff. I said, brother, there's not going to be any IRAs. Do you get it yet? Do you yeah. get it? And like, I, I'm sitting there thinking, as a matter of fact, I was thinking this today. I'm like, nothing's going to change until something actually changes that's going to affect everyone at their doorstep. And by that, I mean, do you still have electricity when you turn your light switch on? Do you still have water coming out of your tap? Do you still have food in your refrigerator? Do you still have food that you can buy at the supermarket? Do you still have money? Take any one of those things away that I just said. Is your money worth anything? Exactly. See, they're not going to take your money from you. They're going to take away the value of it. That's what's going to happen. And so they're not going to physically come and and grab money out of your pocket. No, no, no. See, you'd, you'd resist that. Yeah. But see, you take any one of those things away that I just mentioned, and you watch how fast things change. Shut that internet off. Watch what happens. Take away people's smartphones. Drop Netflix. Right. Turn off Amazon for for a week and see what happens. So the, these are things that people have become dependent on. Of course, you got to have food, right? You got to have running water. You got to have electricity. Well, the Green New Deal makes most of that irrelevant. I hate to tell you, but um, that that's just what it is. And uh, the the thing is, is how do you get back? Getting back to our earlier point, how do you reach those generations of kids? And, and the question is, is I I don't know. I really don't know. Apart from taking the steps to, uh, you have to start somewhere, right? So, I mean, apart from taking the steps to, first and foremost, restore some type of law and order and legal structure. Okay, that's the first thing. Now, whatever that might be, whether that's uh, cleaning out the the local DA's office or cleaning out the local police department, you know, flushing the mayor's office, whatever that is, you have to have a group of people in there willing to, first of all, make the arrests that are causing the problems that are burning the communities down. And second of all, when you make the arrest, you got to prosecute them. It's got to happen. So we have to have some form of established law and order, and it has to be fair. It has to be just, it has to be impartial. Uh, and people have to be willing to um, to just do it, right? That, that's all there is to it. And as far as the, um, I mean, I, I guess that's the start. Uh, that's the starting point. And then you, I guess you just work your way up from there. But if you don't give people and I'm mostly talking about the up and comings, the, the up and coming generations, they don't have a future, not in this. They, they don't have a future in the system. This system, like everything that we're seeing now, this is the end game. The, so there is no there is no future for them going forward. If you have a society that is willing to give someone a form of security, if you give someone 
a sense of being able to build themselves up to secure their own future, well, then they're not going to go out and break any laws. They're going to behave in society. You're going to have society come together around ideas in the community in order to build it up and make things better. A rising tide raises all ships. That's what Tavish says, and I believe it. That's how it works. They talk about defunding the police, right? That's the big talking point now. Let's defund the police. We got to defund the police. Well, these sick ideologues think that if you defund the police, then you can defund the courts and then you can shut down the prisons because they think that these institutions are what cause people to commit crimes. No, that's not what causes people to commit crimes. What causes people to commit crimes is the fact that they have no opportunity for themselves. They have no future for themselves. They have no way of building themselves up. They have nothing to work for. They've never been taught the value of anything. So if you don't have these things, then of course you're going to commit crimes. However, there is a way around that. There is a way that you can defund the police. And let me explain. I, I've talked about this before, but this is important because this is the big thing. Defund the police. All right. Well, how do you do that? How do you do that? I'm going to explain to you how you do get to that point. Example, and I've used this example before. There is no police department where I currently live. There is no police department. There are police, but there are none here. Not in this town. I live in a town of 15,000 people. There's not a single police officer in this town. Now, how in the hell is that possible? If you give people in society a chance, if you let the community build itself up, if people have an opportunity to build wealth, generational wealth, you don't give it to them. You let them work for it. You create the opportunities to allow them to work for it. And I don't mean everyone gets a government job. Government has very little, if anything at all, to do with any of this. If anything, they're there to ensure that your constitutional rights are protected, and that's as far as they go with it. The community is built up around your institutions, your families, your neighbors, your neighborhoods. So if you have these things, and people do have this big sense of, well, we're going to help out the community. We, we want local businesses here. You go down through town, there's no chains here. There's no chains here. It's all local businesses. People in town own the businesses. If you have a system like this, you have a sense of community. You have a sense of having something worth fighting for, something worth saving, something worth valuing, something worth building up. So if you give people an opportunity to create something for themselves, if you give them a good education, give them an opportunity to have a good education, you give them an opportunity to be whatever religious faith they want to be, it doesn't matter, right? You, you, give them, you give them their institutions. You give people some form of future for themselves, then guess what? When you do this and, and people have something for themselves, they, you know, they have, they, they're able to buy their own homes. They're able to buy their property. They're able to, to build their own homes. They're able to continue to support the local businesses that in turn give back to the communities, make the communities a better place to live. People look out for each other. Neighbors become almost family. And if you think that, that that sounds too good to be true, go back to America in the 1950s. They're at the days of Ozzie and Harriet, that type, right? We had it. What happened to it? Where'd it go? When you have these steps that are put in place in society, whether that's big or, or small, it, it doesn't matter. But if you do these things, and there's more to it than that. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to explain as best I can within the interest of time, because we're going to have to jump out of here. But what happens as a result of these things that I mentioned? If you have people that are secure, they have good healthcare systems. They have good jobs. They have generational wealth. They have a good home for themselves. They build a good community to raise their children and their families in. Policing takes care of itself. You, you don't need a police department at that point. You can start scaling it back and you can defund the police. You can do that because the crime will naturally subside. And if you think, oh, well, that just sounds like some pipe dream utopia. Well, it's possible. It's possible. I live in a place that does it. So it's not impossible to do these things, but you have to start with the foundational structure of some type of culture. But the culture has been destroyed. The family has been under attack in America for 50 years, 50 years. And now you've got groups that are out there that are talking about defunding the police at the same time. They're saying that they want to disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family. They're saying it out in the open. This is the fabric that holds society together. If you don't have this, then you don't have society. It's that simple. It's not that complex. But if you want to defund the police, if you want to get rid of the um, you want to get rid of the court system, you want to get rid of the jails, then follow the steps 
of what actually works and what actually gives people a sense of community, what gives people a sense of security. If people are secure, then they're not, they're not going to go out there and commit crimes. If they have an opportunity, they're not going to commit crimes. See, the thing is with the radical left and the uh, you can't even call this the radical right, but the, the extremists out there in the world, they believe that you can get rid of the system and the crime will go away. Well, no, 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 no. You have to build society up to the point where the crime will take care of itself. That's the fundamental difference. They think it's the system that causes the people to commit crimes. No, it's the lack of opportunity that caused people to commit crimes. And believe me, I know I, I worked in the criminal justice system for 15 years over there. So you, you can't tell me that that I don't have firsthand experience there. You can't do it. I, I don't care what any of these uh, these do-gooders come to me and uh, with whatever argument. You can bring whatever argument you want. But the people that I primarily went after didn't have good family. They didn't have any opportunity for themselves. They didn't come from communities or, or churches or religious institutions or, or social groups or anything like that. They saw no other alternative for themselves. And it wasn't because of the system. It's because the system has been destroyed. The foundational system of our society has been destroyed, not the justice system. So if you want to create a better future, then we have to start with our own communities. Starts at the local level. And at the local level, everything starts with you. Everything starts with you. And as GP puts it, since he's away from his desk at the moment, as GP puts it, let's be nice to our neighbors. Let's pick up our communities and let's make this world just a little bit better. We are going to have to jump out of here because we are out of time today. But thank you both for sitting down today. So for those of you who have not, you'd like to, please do give us a follow on the social media platform of Parlor. We love getting all of your feedback, your echoes, your comments, your upvotes, your likes. You can follow me over there at JAnderson3 or you can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us and you don't want to do it via social media, you can do so anytime by dropping us an email at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would humbly ask you to pass this along to friends and family. We're trying to promote our podcast here as much as possible. And we need your help as a loyal listener in order to do that. So if you could pass this along to friends, family, neighbors, known associates, and the like, uh, we're trying to bring people together and have good, healthy conversations in and amongst people's circles. So if you could pass this along, we would, we would appreciate that. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you could drop over to Apple Podcasts or any other platform you listen to us on that has a rating system and give us a rating at your convenience, five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Bruce, GP, thank you both for your time tonight. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.